Good morning, everybody. Well, you, you got us back. This is our uh, second day back after a little COVID hiatus uh, with Nancy and me. And, uh, and guess what? We've got Rick Kearney back. He was uh, out last week uh, with COVID, and he's back, uh, tested negative twice with the PCR test. He's healthy as a horse. And uh, we're glad to have him back. He's an <laughs> integral part of the show. <laughs> Who said, did you do that horse? <laughs> that wasn't bad. And uh, Nancy does have a good horse impersonation. But if you have those questions on mechanics, electronics, computerization, what do you want to call today of the complexity of the cars that we're driving, you got Rick Kearney back live in color in person right here on our stage. And all you need to do is call 877 960-9960. That's 877-960-9960. And you'll be put in touch with uh, one of the smartest guys on cars you'll ever find. He knows how to fix about anything. Been doing it since he was a kid. Uh, he's been working for me. Uh, we have a car dealership, by the way. It's a Toyota dealership. But this is not an infomercial. I repeat, this is not an infomercial. This is a consumer advocacy show. If you heard the disclaimer at the beginning of the show, this station disclaims any responsibility for my big mouth. I mean, if I say something really, really crazy, uh, they're absolved of all responsibility. So stay tuned for lots of crazy stuff, but it's true. And what you hear from us will be the facts. And back on the subject of Rick, uh, he really, really uh, can help you save a lot of money. I don't know about you, but... After having COVID recently, I'm still a little bit nervous. I don't like the idea of mingling when I have to um, do something, whether it's uh, buy a tube of toothpaste or buy a hot dog or buy a shirt. Uh, I tend to try to maintain a, uh, what is it, careful, respectful distance from others. And a lot of you feel that way. So instead of bringing your car into Midas or, uh, or uh, 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 what are the other independent shops out there, um, uh, the, uh, pet boys, yeah, uh, pet boys, yeah. There's a the million different auto stops, uh, yeah. cars, yeah, uh, Firestone, Goodyear, Zone, Firestone, yep. So uh, wherever you take your car, you're going to be next to a person, and they may or may not be wearing a mask. Probably not today, and you have to trust the fact they're going to be safe. So save yourself that exposure. Call eight seven seven nine six zero ninety nine sixty. Describe the symptoms of the problems. Uh, with your car. If you're really cool, you've got a smartphone and a camera on your smartphone, take a picture of the uh, issue, uh, do an audio file, record the, the noise, describe things carefully, and let, let Rick uh, diagnose your problem. It could save you a few thousand dollars uh, and uh, maybe even prescribe a, something you could do yourself. Now, my, my son, Stu Stewart, uh, he's rapidly approaching the radio station right now. Uh, a little be a little bit late. He should be walking in the door. He says his ETA was 8:04. That's right now. So he should be bursting through the door in the studio. He's in charge of our mystery shopping report. And uh, for those new people, if you don't listen to anything else, stay tuned. The latter part of the show, we play a live. Not, well, it is live. It wasn't. We don't record it. We record it. So there's. It was this week, two days ago. We go into a car dealership somewhere, could be out of state. Most of them are in South Florida. This recent one was in South Florida. And we pretend to buy or lease a car. And we record exactly what happens. Uh, we name the dealership, we name the salesperson, we name the managers, and we tell you exactly what happened. If they broke the law, 
or they violated ethical or moral codes, or we, we just tell you exactly what happened. And uh, guess what? Nancy and I have been doing this show, how many years, Nancy? Long time. About 20 years. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> seems like 30 years, right? <laughs> but I met we you have when never, I was a mere child. Been sued. <laughs> now, you know why? Because the perfect defense, you got libel and slander, you lawyers out there know mm. this, the perfect defense is the truth. And that's what we do. We just tell the truth. Uh, sometimes it's unbelievable, but the, 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 the people that committed the crimes... <laughs> The car dealership. Here comes Stu. Dun, da, da, and, uh, da, da, da. There's your presence, Stu. It's right there. <laughs> Thank you very much. So, uh, uh, if if you really want to uh, be entertained and and educated, tune toward the end of the show, uh, where we will do our mystery shopping report, and Stu will tell us all about it in a little while. And uh, we're not going to reveal the details of the of the mystery shop. We just allude to it because it is something that's uh, a very educational. And we keep an archive on these mystery shopping reports at Earl on Cars. In fact, just about everything we do on the show is archived. We have podcasts. We have uh, uh, this website, EarlOnCars.com. And when you have time, just navigate to EarlOnCars.com. Spend a few minutes on the site and see what we have. We've been doing that blog for about 20 years, too. So we have mystery shopping. Of course, we have a list of recommended car dealers. And, and we have a list of those you should stay away from because we put a grade on every Mr. Shopping Report at the end of the show. And uh, my blog is on there. Uh, uh, How to Buy My Book is on there. New book coming out, by the way, very shortly. Mm. And uh, we are here to help you buy a car without being ripped off by a car dealer. Um, Nancy Stewart sitting next to me, uh, my co-host, and uh, she's been with me through thick and thin. Uh, she is a female advocate. Uh, she really gets uh, really gets nervous when women are taken advantage of. I know this is a 21st century, and I know women have come a long way, but they haven't come as far as they should because of the resistance and the attitude and the culture, and that really riles Nancy. So she speaks to our lady audience, but more importantly, she encourages the women, our listening audience, to call the show. We think we have a huge number of women listening, and we just need to encourage them more to call and share their experiences, their opinions, their suggestions uh, with us live on the air. So Nancy will tell you more about that. The mic is all yours. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome. And I want to thank all of you. You've certainly been instrumental in getting us to where we are here at uh, the Oldies Channel, and it has certainly been a ride and we've enjoyed your company. Give us a call toll-free at 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. And ladies, for the first two new lady callers, give us a call. You can win yourself $50 this morning if you are one of the first two female callers 877-960-9960 gosh we've got so much to get to and uh, i think uh, you, you you can uh, classify everything we just keep talking electric 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 it's here folks whether we like it or not so with all of that said don't forget your anonymous yeah. take advantage of that and uh, stay tuned and stay with us for the next two hours we're going to learn a lot from you 
and you'll learn a lot from us. 877-960-9960. We are going to go right to the phones where Chris from Palm Beach Gardens is calling. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. Hi there. Thanks for taking my call. I, I listen to your show regularly and I enjoy it. Thank you. My question, my question is, it refers back to a show maybe one or two shows ago where you talked about fees imposed by dealers when one goes to exercise the purchase option at the end of your lease. Yes. I have a question related to that. I have uh, pulled out my lease agreement. It specifically says there are no additional fees and it gives a purchase option of $18,000. The vehicle now is selling for on the internet, twenty-seven thousand mm-hmm. dollars. My qu- my question to you is: Would a dealer pay the lessee to not exercise their purchase option, but to turn in the vehicle? Chris, that's a great question. I, uh, I what Nancy said earlier about us learning from our customers. Uh, that might be the simplest solution, especially if you don't want the car or need the car anymore. It saves you a lot of time and aggravation. Uh, I would say yes. I mean, uh, I'm a car dealer. We have a Toyota dealership in North Palm Beach. And if one of my customers came in and he had a uh, lease, off-lease car that would have a market value, to me, that would be uh, thousands of dollars more than the lease option to purchase, uh, I would be happy uh, to buy that right from the uh, lessee and uh, and, and do, benefit. Well, we do we do that all yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. people with equity in their cars are taking cash or using yeah. it for more down payment or whatever yeah. they want with it. Yeah, but I'm thinking that uh, often I for the for our listening audience, this is something that should should be suggested uh, if you don't want the car, rather than spend the time uh, to sell the car yourself. Um, and that's that's a really time-consuming thing. There's no one better shape uh, to sell a car than a car dealer, obviously. So if you could just do the deal on paper between you and him and be sure all the I's are dotted, T's are crossed in this legal document, uh, then that would be a great uh, great way to benefit from your very, very low uh, purchase costs. Uh, thanks very much for that call, Chris. Yeah, that was a great call, Thank Chris. You. Thank you. I'm glad I started the show off with a good call. Have a great day. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Give us a call again, 877-960-9960. Gosh, I wonder when I'll lose that raspy voice that I've acquired from uh, COVID, maybe five, 10 years. Okay, folks, uh, don't forget that text number, 772-497-6530. We're going back to the phones where Howard, a regular caller, is calling us from Jupiter. Good morning, Howard. Good morning. I hope you all are well, and uh, it's a nice day today. Uh, Actually, for September, it's not that bad. A couple questions I have for Rick. Um, I noticed that I have a 2017 Camry, and I can't add any transmission fluid. Uh, And I think it's a good idea because uh, I think people uh, were abusing it and putting too much fluid and ruining it. Uh, But my question is, how do you change the fluid now, and uh, wh- why was that? Cha- why, why was uh, it changed that way so you can't add transmission fluid? The 2000 Cam- uh, 2017 Camry went to a WS type fluid, uh, 
And straight out of the repair manual, it says inspecting the fluid level. It actually says in the repair manual, I'm paraphrasing a little, uh, inspect for leaks. If no leaks are found, the fluid level is correct. And it, uh, the way to actually change that fluid is we use a special machine that pumps the old fluid out and pumps new fluid in, measures exactly how much comes out, and returns the exact same amount. Um, they're specially designed that the amount of fluid in there, if it's off by even just, say, three or four ounces of fluid, it can actually cause shifting issues. And they're, they're very temperamental on that, we have found. But once that fluid level is correct, they're good for, good for life. And straight from the factory, it is said, this is a non-maintenance type transmission. In other words, the fluid does not have a maintenance interval. There's no need to change it ever unless you are in some really extreme conditions. Uh, if you were driving around up in Alaska, Point Barrow, Alaska, the Sahara Desert, where you've got you know really extreme conditions, then you might consider needing it done once in a while, uh, you know, like 100,000. But otherwise, nope, it's good for the life of the car. You never need to mess with it. Yeah, Howard, this is just one more example of our cars proceeding toward total non-maintenance. Uh, the electric vehicle uh, that will be here before we know it uh, will be virtually non-maintenance, uh, uh, maintenance-free. Uh, of course, you'll still have repairs, uh, but uh, as far as the car itself, there, there'll be virtually no maintenance. So this, you're, you, you and I are about the same age, and we grew up in an era where maintaining a car was a major uh, proposition. And the whole industry grew up around that. And uh, we're going through this unbelievably rapid change now where everybody that's relying on repairing cars for a living is going to be in trouble unless they change too. And the dealers were uh, in an uproar about it, the manufacturers, everybody's excited about it. It's good, it's bad, it's terrible for the people that make their living from repairing and maintaining cars. Yeah, every summer, every uh, fall I used to change my uh, uh, transmission fluid. I'm talking about 30 years ago. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and the car seemed to drive better after I changed it. So I actually felt that uh, uh, what was happening is that the uh, transmission fluid was getting degraded fast. And uh, this is in, now the next question is, when do you change the uh, coolant, Rick? The maintenance requirements on your car should be 100, I believe, 100,000 miles for the first interval and every 50,000 miles after that for the coolant. I don't know. Is that in the manual? I, I, yes. I looked at the, it is in the manual. Okay. Yes. If, in your glove compartment, you'll have a separate smaller book that has the maintenance, the factory recommended maintenance intervals, and it will show each interval all the way up to like 150,000, and it'll tell you when you need to change that. Yeah, Howard, uh, again, the, the owner's manual is, we recommend on this show, only do the maintenance with your dealer or your independent technician repair shop uh, that's recommended by the manufacturer of the owner's manual. And, and then my next statement is, whoever reads the owner's manual, I don't. You, uh, and you know, here you are a very, very careful guy. I mean, I get the idea you, don't, you didn't know something was in the owner's manual. Uh, they make it hard, uh, agreed. I mean, some of these owner's manual are like Encyclopedia Britannica for you folks old enough to know what that is. Uh, 
you know, and uh, you know what Google is, but we used to have big, thick books. Well, there's still a big, thick book out there we carry around in cars called Owner Manual. They make it th- so thick, people just don't want to pick it up and look at it. But uh, the best rule you can use to save you money is when you take it into a repair shop, don't listen to what they recommend. Don't do what the dealer or the independent repair shop recommends. Find the daily, monthly, yearly maintenance on your car based on age and mileage, and don't do anything except that. Now, <laughs> the bad news for all the repair shops out there, in five years, I don't think there'll be an owner's manual on, on repair and maintenance because there won't be any. And uh, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's a change that's going on that very few people, owners, are aware of. But maintenance is going to be minimized very rapidly. It's yeah, actually... It's actually, there's a separate book, much, much thinner, that has that maintenance log and in it for you. For Toyota. So, yeah, for yeah, so it's a separate book. Most companies do it that way. Well, not Lexus. Lexus has it in the same book. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's annoying. <laughs> okay, well, my last question. Uh, brake fluid. My nephew um, called me up. He said, uh, the Honda dealer said I should change the brake fluid. I said, how many miles do you have? I have 50,000 miles. I said, stop, don't do it, walk away, don't use that. So, Rick, when do you change the brake fluid? If I look at the brake fluid and it's dark brown, I would recommend it. If it still looks sort of straw yellow color, I don't recommend it. Okay, so do, do you check the brake fluid when the car comes into service? Yeah, you just take a flashlight, shine it on the reservoir, and if that fluid looks like it's yellowish, you leave it alone. Okay, that sounds great. Okay, thank you very much for all the information, and uh, you have a good day. Thanks, Howard. Howard. Howard took me down memory lane. You know, I don't. I don't recall having a uh, any kind of a manual <laughs> back in the fifties, sixties, and the seventies. Right out there at your car Saturday morning. I'm from Pittsburgh. Well, the, hey, take a look yeah. at that dipstick. Hold that up to the sky. You're checking out the the mm-hmm. color and all that, and you feel it. The same thing with the transmission fluid. The same thing with uh, uh, the uh, what was the other thing? He uh, brake fluid. Yep. All that all that stuff, and you just knew how to do it back then. It seemed like an easy task, and that was something that you did on the weekend. And tires, don't forget your tires. Well, the the (laughs) nice part is that book that comes in the glove compartment, you could turn to each page that it shows each mileage and have them sign off and stamp that you did that service. Is that right? Yeah. Hmm. So you've got a spot for you to sign off on it. Folks, I hope you're enjoying the show. We have a lot more information for you, and we'd love to hear from you. <clears throat> and all the information you have for us, 877-960-9960. Don't forget, ladies, first two female callers, you and yourself, $50 this morning, 877-960-9960. Now back to Well, I'm going to give out Rick. the anonymous feedback again um, because uh, we get most of our, for some reason, written inquiries on that. You gave it out before. I'll give it out again youranonymousfeedback.com. Folks, you use that, Y-O-U-R-A-N-O-N-Y-M-O-U-S, anonymous, youranonymousfeedback.com. We don't know who you are, where you are. Uh, we, we can't come and get you because we don't uh, know where you're living. Uh, it'll be totally anonymous. Say anything you want. And we get a lot of that. Most of the people that use that are just saying, making constructive comments, but I think it's a privacy thing. Uh, people just don't necessarily want to know where you are and 
That's good. So youranonymousfeedback.com. Let us know what you think or uh, have a question for us. We will get to it at some time during the show. Okay, Rick. I had a couple of them here. Uh, one from Negan One. He says, I have a question for Earl. After watching the DeLorean documentary on Netflix, he says, did Earl ever have a chance of becoming a DeLorean dealer, or did he turn it down back in the early 80s? Actually, uh, I my recollection was I would have loved to be a DeLorean dealer. I, I, they got The car got so much hype. Uh, uh, DeLorean was such an interesting guy. Uh, he was real flamboyant, a great personality. Uh, uh, told it like it is. He was, he was he was kind of a jerk in a lot of ways, but he, he was he, a little bit like Elon Musk. He was smart. Mm -hmm. uh, he would say st some dumb things, but when the smoke settled, uh, you had to respect the guy. And uh, but uh, he never got it off the ground. So and there were very few DeLorean dealers. Uh, probably if I had been offered it back then, I would have grabbed it. Of course, the the rest is history. He never 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 got off the ground. Oh yeah. And, uh, excuse me, oh. uh, Rick, we have a couple of telephone calls. <clears throat> excuse me. But uh, one question uh, before we go back to the phones for the ladies. Uh, what was a deciding factor for you um, as far as choosing a car of your choice? And uh, also, you know, if I didn't say this this morning, you can simply call and say hello. And uh, what a great way to win $50. First two female callers, $50, 877-960-9960. We're going to go to uh, John, who has been holding in Stewart. Hang on, Laura. We'll be right with you. Good morning, John. Good morning. I have a, I have a question for Earl, I think it is. Oh, okay. great. Okay, so Earl, I uh, went down and I, well, I didn't go down there. I did it over the phone. I put down like $500 on a hybrid, a Highlander uh, hybrid. Uh -huh. It's going to be like seven, yeah, seven to eight nine months maybe they said uh -huh. but um my question is do you since you're the big big Toyota dealer guy do you have any special insights or whatever with um information from Toyota? do you think what well, we car do world in general we have to ask Toyota. Do, yeah yeah we don't have any uh, inside information we have the information that toyota uh, gives us so uh, we we see trends uh, hybrids are extremely short supply, and uh, the parts and the uh, uh, you know the you hear microchips all the time, a lot of other things. Uh, particular for the hybrid with the high demand, the Highlander is one of the most popular of the hybrids. So uh, we only know what Toyota builds or decides to build. Okay. Uh, so, uh, we right now we see uh, trends, and if you were told seven to nine months. And we told you that. That's the latest we know from Toyota. What I would recommend you do is you check uh, with your dealer and you uh, regularly. And if that changes, uh, we will let you know. The only time we can give uh, a manufacturer or dealer can give you a more precise time is when they see that the car that you ordered has been. They have decided to build that. And when they decide to build it, we can come pretty close within a few weeks of when that car will arrive. But until then, it's a lot of guesswork. We've had customers, frankly, on some very obscure models that have waited over a year. Uh, look, when you look at your car, you look at the color, <coughs> the trim, uh, you look at the hybrid versus combustion engine. If a hybrid is a big swing factor. 
Uh, we can get cars like Corollas and Camrys and the combustion engine in a very short period of time, comparatively speaking. Uh, so uh, talk to your uh, dealer, and if there's a compromise you can make on that Highlander hybrid in color or trim or some other things, it could expedite it. So um, my, my recommendation would be think of uh, what you might want to compromise on that vehicle. Look at your Highlander hybrid, say, you know, I don't have to have a, a blue one. I'll take a red, green, white, you know, give as many varieties of colors as you can. And I don't have to have a sunroof. I don't have to have this. Uh, I don't have to have that. Give them as many variables. And then when they see the plan to build the next Highlander hybrid, they can take one of your choices, plug it in the system, mm -hmm. and get your car very quickly. Okay, so with your expertise or your knowledge of the whole car deal, do you think that is there any any trend that the the prices might drop within the next like? Say that, I'm sorry. Say that again, please. If, if prices might drop in the next how many soon? Yeah, six months or the end of the year, or whatever. Probably so not. In a foreseeable future. Probably, probably not, not by the end of the year. Um, we've seen some softening and, and lowering in used car prices. Um, Right now, the um, as far as the supply line of, of new cars, it hasn't really changed, mm -hmm. and we don't see it change in, in, in the next six months. Um, but as we get more information from Toyota, but we've been roughly seeing a, pretty, a steady stasis of, uh, of the amount that we can, they can produce and the amount they can allocate. John, John have you given the dealer options in, in, in the order description? Uh, yeah. color, color, for example. Yeah, we gave a color. So we, we wanted the moon mist or whatever the the blue color but we said we would take a white one or uh, i think she said a, re a red colored one you yeah. know okay and the more we don't want the, the, the wider the the variety the wider the variety you could go if you could say uh, five colors were okay instead of three that would help uh okay. and any other accessories but uh you know the, the more uncompromising you are on the options, equipment, and color of a car, the more uncompromising you are, the less likely you're going to get expedited. So uh, uh, stay in touch and uh, and uh, keep updated. I don't know where you bought the car, but I, if I were a buyer, I would call at least every two weeks. Uh, there are dealers out there that would take a higher price on your car, and uh, I, I hate to say it, but uh, sometimes a car comes in, they have... Uh, potential buyers that will pay maybe a thousand dollars more than what your price was and they sell your car to somebody else so stay on top of it and get a regular well, update i give it to you guys i give the five hundred dollars to your uh, dealership okay then we're honest <laughs> we won't do that to you but you folks listening out there uh, uh it, it, once you have the vin number the vehicle identification number then you have a legal document so uh i'm speaking now not to you john but to other dealers out there or other uh, buyers out there uh uh, stay on top of it until you can th get the vehicle identification number of the car you ordered. Then you can prove that they sold it to somebody else at a higher price. And uh, it, once you, once they know you can do that, it's highly unlikely they will. But thanks for the call, John. That was a very yeah, that was a great that was a great call, John. You're doing a great job as far as keeping in touch and uh, not setting these uh, limitations. Uh, to slow your, you know, your delivery down. So I see you getting your vehicle sooner than later. Give us a call again. 
877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. We're going to go to Laura, who's calling us from Stewart. Good morning, Laura. Good morning. I just wanted to uh, basically just have a statement for all of you. I just want to thank you all for doing this for us. Um, I just recently found this this show, and it takes a little of the stress out of going car shopping nowadays. <laughs> you know, thank you so much. Well, we we love to hear yeah. that, Laura. I uh, thank you very much for the compliment. When did you when did you find the show? <clears throat> um, actually, about a month ago. Oh, you did. Interesting. Yeah, with yeah, this oldie station. I I heard it advertised and all that. Yeah. But I just recently listened in and I caught you know I saw you know had a list of the shows it, and interesting. Um, I saw you know Earl Stewart like, oh I yeah. know that name <laughs> wow that was a great find and they got great music don't they uh, when we were yeah. getting ready to open the show this morning, uh, the uh, music is uh, uh, quite uh, energetic. I love it. Uh, but, uh, Laura, I haven't heard from you before. You said the last Not month. Heard. Yeah, just first time. Just wanted to say thank you for doing it. Well, you're welcome. And we want to thank you, Laura, for being a first-time caller, first-time female caller. So you win yourself $50 <laughs> this morning. And if you leave your information uh, with uh, Jeremy and the uh, studio, uh, in the control uh, studio, I should say. Uh, he'll get your information, he'll give it to me, and I'll get that check out to you this afternoon. And please spread the word. We're, we're trying to build a platform here for ladies like you and like me and uh, to uh, join in the conversation every Saturday morning. Well, that's it. I, I used to work at the tax collector's office. Oh, you did? So it's like, yeah, so it's like, you know, when you tell people, you know, you're at the tax collector. It's like, oh, you're one of those people. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of the same as like I have to go to the dealership. It's, oh, I feel your pain, you know? Isn't that the truth? <laughs> Watch out for her. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. But um, this show, it, it definitely gives gives us a little edge on things. You know, yeah. Not a lot, but enough. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope we can help you out every Saturday morning if you do tune in or even once in a while but thank you for today thank you for calling and don't forget that information and I'll mail it out oh, to no you no problem thank, thank you. you very much you're welcome Eight seven seven nine six zero ninety nine sixty. 960 your anonymous feedback dot com don't forget to text 772-497-6530 I believe I interrupted Rick yeah, we got one other here from uh, Dayspring he says hello good morning I have a question on allocation. Once Toyota slash Lexus has given the dealer an allocation, does that mean it's already built or already in port? Average time to delivery. Uh, he says, I reserved a GX460 and the salesman told me they just got an allocation for me. So I'm trying to gauge time to delivery. They, they haven't been built yet. So these are cars that are um, an allocation, cars that are going to be built. They have, they have interim VINs. Um, the VIN number that they have that we can use to track are, is not the same VIN number that you will have on your car when they actually print it on the plates at the factory. Um, so, but generally speaking, uh, once the vehicle has been built, um, it's about six weeks or so 
before it arrives at the port or the dealer, somewhere around then, six weeks. Mm. Um, so all that time that everybody's waiting, nothing's happening. And it's, it's, it's a frustrating thing. No one's working on your car. No one's thinking about your car. No one's planning to build it. It's just and then when that car is going to be built anyway, then that's when the mad shuffle happens. Yeah, the man, the yeah. manufacturer looks at the sum total of all the orders and demand for vehicles. And yeah. You're looking at hundreds of thousands of people out there, and you're just one guy and our one gal that ordered that car. So uh, they don't look at your car. They look at the cumulative number of cars just like yours. And when a whole bunch of people want to buy the same kind of car you want to buy, then they start allocating Mm -hmm. cars for production to their dealers. And that's... uh, Exactly. They get information on um, historical sales and also the the reps, the manufacturer reps are in constant communication with us. So our guy, Joe, who's a great guy, by the way, um, is getting feedback on on traffic, on internet leads, on just uh, what kind of models people are interested in. And that all trickles right back up to Toyota. And you heard it right here, folks. That was Stu Stewart. How many consumers know what he just shared with you? Uh, (laughs) Obviously, not many, but you heard it right here on Earl Stewart on Cars. This is the kind of information that helps you. It helps you a whole lot, and your questions help us. So give us a call, 877-960-9960. Back to Rick. And Dayspring just replied. He says, ah, okay, so I have time, or maybe a lot of time, with a thumbs-up emoji. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for the question, Dayspring. Yeah. Thanks for the answer, Stu. Okay, back to the recovering car dealer. Well, this will uh, text, Stu. You got any text over there? Well, you know, we got one from Anne-Marie, don't you? Of course. Uh (laughs) Good morning, Anne-Marie. Good morning. Uh, Anne-Marie says, good morning. I hope Rick is feeling better uh, this week and everyone will stay well. Hey, I'm the last one. I'm the last one on the radio of the show. I'm the last one in my family, (laughs) other than my my brother who hasn't gotten COVID. Okay. Queen Elizabeth II died on Thursday, and I'd like to mark her passing with a little bit of history. Princess Elizabeth joined the Auxiliary Auxiliary Territorial Service, the ATS, the women's branch of the British Army, in spite of her protective royal parents' objections. She became the first female in the royal family to be an active duty member of the British Armed Forces. She chose to be a mechanic, just like Rick. In a six-week training course, she passed a military driving test, learned to read maps, and worked on repairing engines. The Associated Press at the time named her Princess Auto Mechanic. Hmm. Uh, she, uh, she remained an active driver throughout most of her life. Wow. Reportedly, she taught her children and grandchildren to drive. Um, the National War, World War II Museum says that even in her 90s, Queen Elizabeth was known to diagnose and repair faulty engines <laughs> as she was taught to do during her wartime service in the ATS. Uh, she was the last surviving head of state to have served in World War II. Wow. Uh, Queen Elizabeth II never had a driver's license because in Great Britain, all driver's licenses are issued in her name. Therefore, she could not officially issue a driver's license in her own name to herself. Um, however, Prince Charles got his license in 1967. I'm sorry, King Charles got his license in 1967. Princess Anne got hers about a year later, and Prince William got his in 1999. There is some serious royal trivia right there. Wow. Right in the car. In the car uh, I had no genre. idea. Wow. <laughs> Anne-Marie, you really really get the good stuff. Thank you. (laughs) Very interesting. (laughs) Anne-Marie. I I got chills. I got chills. What a queen. It makes me, I think think of Rick in a whole new light now. What a woman. uh, Whenever I see Rick, I always think of Queen Elizabeth II. Where's my crown? It's where you should. <laughs> okay. I, I see your crown from here. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Thanks, Anne-Marie. Okay. We have, a, we have a, uh, more, more text here. 
Um, oh, uh, this, this is from Victoria. Uh, she says, hello, this is one of your first two female callers today, Victoria. I'm sorry, that was... Uh, Oh, that's today. Uh, Victoria uh, Carlisle just texting you that giving her, oh, she's just giving her her mailing address for $50. Okay. Oh, thank that you. came in on the text that confused me for a second. Okay. And I'm going to go back to the phones and uh, we're going to go to Lisa and she's calling us from Jupiter. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. How are you? We're well, thank you. Welcome to the show. Uh, oh, thank you so much. It's my first time calling and I have been. I knew about the show about a year. My brother listens every Saturday morning, so now I've become a listener. And, oh. of course, I'm a big, big fan of Earl and the, his, you know, I bought every car I own from him. Oh. I am so happy with the service department. I feel like they help me even when I'm in a bind. So I just want to say that before I get to my question. Well, thank you so much, and uh, we certainly appreciate your company. Most of all, I appreciate you helping me build a platform. This morning, you're going to win yourself $50. You uh, can share your contact information with uh, Jeremy, and I can get that check out to you. Your question? Absolutely. Thank you for that. So right now, I drive a 2009 Camry with just about 109,000 miles on it. So I know that you know, right now is not a good time to get a new car. And I know that these cars can go for many, many hundreds of thousands of miles. And I realize I'm keeping track, like, of how much I'm spending each year versus how much, you know, like, to get a new car. I, I get the month, like, the dollars part. My question is, as I drive, like, for instance, if I'm going to be driving an, an extra 30,000 miles a year because I'm getting a job that's further away, is there like a safety issue with driving a car this old that much where maybe I should be looking for something new or as long as I keep up with the maintenance, it should be no different than driving, you know, a fairly new car? Well, at least I, and I know Rick is uh, chomping at the bit here. I'm but, chomping. <laughs> but I'm going to jump ahead of him. I know you're uh, chomping. Uh, yeah. I'm chomping. Uh, <laughs> You're lucky. You, you've got a quality car. You, yes. uh, I mean, you bought uh, the, the Toyota Camry is one of the most reliable cars in the world. Um, I'm assuming that you uh, took care of it and did the owner's oh, yes. recommended maintenance. Um, before I made the decision, I would take the car to a trusted uh, person, mechanic, uh, maybe Rick or anybody that uh, can go over a car and give it a you know a diagnosis. This is a great shape, medium shape, bad shape, or in between. And if, you're, if your Camry's in good shape, and I'm pretty sure it is because you did take care of it, that's good for another 100,000 miles. And uh, uh, there's no reason for you to uh, worry about that car as long as you continue to have the owner's maintenance done. But save yourself a lot of money. The price you'd pay for another car today is thousands of dollars more than it would be probably a year from now. So. You know, Lisa, this morning there was a clip that ran on Channel 5, and they were talking about uh, used and new cars. And the uh, length of time that uh, consumers are holding on to their vehicles, it's just an amazing time. You're sitting on a gold mine, but you need that car, so you're going to hang on to it. Sounds like as if that you are very educated and have taken care of your vehicle. No, after Lisa, after oh, Lisa hangs up, we'll have... Uh, 
uh, Jonathan run the clip on the Channel 5. Yeah, and you can stay tuned for that, Lisa. Take a look at that later on in the show. Uh, but uh, it's amazing the people that I speak to that are hanging on to their car. Remember back when when um, the consumer was hanging on to their vehicle for maybe 10, 12 years? Huh, now it's 14, maybe 20 years. And matter yeah. of fact, I know a young lady, her name is Lisa, and her car yeah. is a 20 it's a it's 20 years old why she takes care of it a lot of miles on it and a lot more miles to go it's a great product toyota hey lisa yeah here's what i'm thinking uh do exactly what earl says go get your car checked out bide a little bit of time um until prices do come down maybe next year but here's the deal um relatively speaking your car is not as safe as the new cars are on the road because you have a 2009 camry and there were so many incredible safety features that have come up in the last decade that your car doesn't have and um mm. rick can touch on some of those things but i would wait a little bit what, what wait you can your car's fine for now and then wait till prices right. stabilize and maybe consider a, a, a brand new one if you're really concerned right. about safety right right well i'm not you know as i i keep up with it through you know through earl's place so i feel like if they tell me I need something, I'm going for it. I don't question anymore. And I feel like they're keeping me, you know, everything I need they're giving me. So I just was thinking because I'm going to maybe increasing so many miles, that was the only issue. But from what I hear from you guys, I'm still good to go. Absolutely. While, so. You're an educated consumer. You're staying on top of things. But Stu's yep. information, yep. great information. You know what yep. to do. And I'd, like to buy, I'd like to buy another Toyota, please, sure. to be honest. There's no reason for me to go anywhere else when I have it. So, you know, it's so good for me right now. Absolutely. Great. Thanks for calling, Lisa. My well, thank opinion, you. keep your car. Yeah. Don't. Yeah, I will. Keep, keep <laughs> You're driving sitting on a gold one. mine. Uh, you, Lisa, it's paid for. Keep driving it till the wheels fall off. Lisa, it was great talking to you. I have a couple of calls backed up. Please leave okay. your information with Jeremy so I can get that check out to you. Very good. Thank you all for your help, and it's been, it's been a pleasure. You're Thank welcome. you. Spread the word. Keep listening. We're going to go to Jerry, okay. who's been holding in West Palm Beach. Good morning, Jerry. Yes. Uh, a little bit of nostalgia. Two years ago, I got out of the Army, and my first car was from Doug Stewart on 2000 Dixie <laughs> Highway, and it was a red... It was a 70 red Pontiac Tempest. Oh, oh boy. Tempest. <laughs> I remember. Tempest, wow. And uh, anyway, Tempest. I'm calling about the little oil thing reminder on the windshield in the upper left-hand corner. I only drive about 500 miles a month, and I'm about Earl's age. How important is that sticker as far as mileage and time goes? Yeah, I was put on by the uh, service department where you bring the car. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a good idea. As long as it conforms with the uh, owner's manual, Jerry, uh, uh, as, as few miles as you put on a car, you shouldn't have to come in more than twice a year, every six months. And uh, have it, uh, the main thing is to check the tires. You want to be sure it's safe. And uh, uh, it should just be a peremptory check. Uh, you don't want to spend a lot of money. Rick, you have a... Comment. Yeah, running standard oil. Obviously, you're going to be running standard oil in your car, most likely. Uh, it's oil change every about every five thousand miles, and a tire rotation every five thousand. 
and just a, a good inspection. That's all. I don't think he's driving the seventy Tempest anymore. You're not? No. Why not? It was um, it was a fire engine red V8 with a 350 hertz shift. Well, Jerry, by the way, uh, that was my half brother, Doug Stewart. And uh, in 1970, that was two years. I was, I was selling used cars over in the used car lot. So that was uh, two years after I came into the business. And that is really some and good history. Thank you for bringing that memory back. And one time I uh, ran a 68 Mustang Fastback on 45th Street and Military Trail. Wow. And I had him on the takeoff, but he beat me top end. Uh -huh. Well, he has a, a 289 four-speed, but uh, end of story. Listen, so I, you, appreciate it, your, uh, I appreciate you talking with me. If you have time, Jerry, if you come by our Toyota dealership in North Palm Beach, the first car my father sold, Stu's grandfather, and it was 1937, and we sold it to a woman by the name of Annie Swan. We repurchased the car from her when she uh, couldn't drive anymore. We've had it restored. So that 1937 Pontiac, the very first car that my dad sold in 1937, is on our showroom floor. So if you want to take a look at it, come on by. Love to have you see okay. it. Okay. All right. Maybe I will, and I appreciate it. All right, Jerry. You have a good Thanks. one. Thanks. That was, that was a great right. call. Um, do you have your kayak with you? Wait, what? You have your kayak with you? I do not. <laughs> <laughs> You're kidding. No, not today. Oh, you by the way, anybody lesson. wondering about why the name... Pontiac Tempest sounds a little familiar. Go rewatch the movie My Cousin Vinny. That's there what it go. is. I knew it was in my brain somewhere. I just looked it up because I was thinking, was there really a Pontiac Tempest? It was not a Plymouth, but no. The Posse Traction. The, yeah. uh -huh. I, I bet I've watched that 200 times. Yeah, anyway, 877-960-9960. Let's go to John, who's uh, calling us from Palm City and has been holding. Thanks for your patience, John. It's great to hear Good from you. Good morning to everyone. I want to go back to a topic we discussed earlier this year. And right now, you know what the old saying, not in my backyard? Well, it's again, it's the catalytic converter. Okay. Uh, last month, Palm Trim, which is the public transportation for uh, Palm Beach County, 33 buses of theirs in a yard, they took the catalytic converters off them. At oh, the man. same time, Massey exterminators in Port St. Lucie all their vehicles in one yard, they completely clipped off the uh, catalytic converter. Um, the reason at that time I asked uh, Rick if he had anything in the shop, well, according to New York City statistics, and the, the uh, theft is up beyond belief in Staten Island alone, it's 60, 670% above what it was last year. Each other borough, it's way over 200. But the New York City figures say 95% of the catalytic converters theft is from the Honda Accords. So I just want to be aware. Now it's in our area. It's a crisis. What happens is the people are using the metals from this recycled, and it's going into the electric vehicles, batteries. So it's, it's a problem. It's, it's probably due to the recyclers are at fault. I mean, I, a van, a U-Haul van, was stopped on the Jersey Turnpike for speeding, and they checked it out, and it was over a thousand of these catalytic converters. Oh no way to find out where they came from, but they claim a lot of it was Staten Island, and <laughs> because that's actually attached to New Jersey, 
and was going to a recycler in Philadelphia. Incredible. So I just want to, I don't know what Rick can recommend, whether we buy this uh, uh, lock for the catalytic converter. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a very serious problem, especially if you're driving a Honda Accord. Aren't they like just sawing through we, these things as a lock? Yeah, what, what we're no? seeing in the shop is a lot of uh, the trucks, the bigger trucks, because they're raised up in the air. So what happens is people are getting these uh, battery-operated sawzalls, where it's a reciprocating saw. They roll up under the truck. It takes about a minute to do the two cuts, and that catalytic converter is in their hands, and they're gone. So locks aren't going to help. Well, the locks can help because what they're doing, uh, they're different companies are devising these big devices that bolt around the exhaust and run all these cables and shields around the catalytic converter so you can't simply Access remove it. it without cutting out a giant section and of course uh, when you're walking around with something that's six feet long in your arms you're much more likely to get caught as opposed to a one foot long catalytic converter uh they're also making shields that can be bolted up why, underneath why are people so fascinated with catalytic converters i mean it's it's the rare minerals i know no, rare I, mean, no, no I didn't mean that i know why they steal them yeah, but, but we talk about it a lot on the show and yeah. well, there, there yeah, was I a way the idea about, that there's a menace um, out there that's coming to get you and it's something yeah, to worry yeah, about yeah, yeah. Well, well i mean about 15, buy, 20 buy, years buy ago. an ev and you don't have to worry about yeah. it right yeah. yeah. Okay. Rick, I have a question. Uh, these professionals now, and they're they're removing these catalytic converters quick, not yes. like it was before. Yes. But are they targeting the vehicles that have two catalytic converters? Are they that all, educated? All cars have two. Almost so all like cars have two. Have we two. like to talk about bagels. Yeah. Huh? We bagels? like to talk about bagels, catalytic converters. <laughs> Well, you bagels? know, bagels are a very important topic, and <laughs> exactly. I think we should move on to that subject right uh, we away. We could talk about Jupiter Donut. Okay. Just a fast question, though. Does anybody know the year that they started the catalytic converter? 1977. 70, 71 or 72, I think. I just hung up 70, on John. No, I'm only kidding. I, did. I had a brand 75? new Chevrolet Caprice Classic. 1965. problems with it that had a sulfur smell. They changed the catalytic converter twice on it, and then finally they did something, the adjustment with the air... Uh, computer, and then it was fine. But yep. it was a terrible. Uh, the car was an early one, and it was a terrible, uh, like a, a sulfur, like an egg smell. Yeah, Chrysler uh, was known it, for that. Their, was, if their fuel mixture wasn't right, their catalytic converters would create a horrible odor. That's what they finally fixed it with the fuel mixture. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks, Jonathan. Thanks for the call, John. You got any, yes, anything else besides kind of like the burner? You have a Honda record. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thanks, John. Uh, we so appreciate hearing from you. You're a breath of fresh air. Always have a lot of great information for us. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you, guys. You're welcome. Stay tuned for that mystery shopping report. You remind me of the, uh, we're watching Frasier, how Julie rules her eyes back. That's what you did over and over again just now. Frasier says, you're going to freeze like that. You hate those catalytic converters. <laughs> oh, just, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, folks, a uh, little humor here. 877-960-9960. You can text us at 772-497-6530. Youranonymousfeedback.com. Come on, give us uh, some interesting questions that you couldn't give us. Can we roll the video us from the name. Channel Five that we uh, we're going to roll before when after uh, yeah, Laura absolutely. Called? 
absolutely we're gonna we're gonna roll jonathan's gonna take care of rolling that yeah, this, uh, clip yeah this is from channel five was on the news this morning and it has to do with uh, used cars and uh older used cars new cars and desperation of people buying transportation so jonathan will roll that right now a white jeep sits in the driveway of yesenia mara's palm springs home i love this car yeah it's not the car that i originally intended to purchase though or that I paid the $3,000 down for. <laughs> this is the car she planned on purchasing, a 2021 Mazda CX-5, selling for a great price with a local auctioneer. Three weeks later, he backed out of the deal, and I, even though I wasn't happy about it and happy for the reason, and I wasn't happy about the reason he was giving me, I still said, well, I still need a car, obviously, so I need the money back. But Mara says that never happened, and police are now investigating. An unfortunate setback because finding an affordable new or used car these days isn't easy due to inflation and supply chain issues. And I went car shopping at three dealers. The prices were ridiculous. The price of a used car was the price of a new car, pretty much. With no money to put down up front, Mara is now spending $700 a month. It's a lot more expensive. For her Jeep an unattainable number for a lot of people. So here at your shop uh, in West Palm Beach, how often would you say you see a brand new vehicle come in? We, we have, we're really not seeing as many used ve new vehicles excuse me, as we used to. Well, the prices of used cars have gone up so much in the last two years between the sh ship shortages, inventory shortages, that now dealers are demanding more money for the cars. So Ron Katz and his crew at this Midas shop are busy fixing up older cars. This Camry is a 2016. That he says his customers are driving for a lot longer these days. It used to be people would keep their cars eight years, then it was 10 years. Now it's 12 to 14 years the average person is keeping their car for. In order to save their hard-earned money until prices start coming down. Not something I planned on having to do. Mara warns, that's your best bet. What if that was the last bit of money I had? What if I had no way to feed my children after this or something? I'm so lucky that I'm not in that position and that I have a wonderful, like, supportive family. What if somebody didn't have that? In Palm Springs, Jessica Bruno, WPTV, News Channel 5. Well, that's, uh, that's something that all of us are thinking about or thinking about buying a used car. And uh, uh, the best thing you can do is if you've got a car, an older car, and you're taking care of it, hang on to it. If you buy a used car, Stu said earlier, the prices are coming down a little bit on used cars, uh, not at all on new cars. And even though the prices are coming down on used cars, they're still priced way over what they ultimately will be. So. Uh, be careful. Don't. Uh, there's no such thing as a free lunch. And when someone offers you a really great deal on a used car, do a lot of checking and be sure you have an independent mechanic go over that car. Uh, if you have to pay him fifty or a hundred dollars to check it over, it's worth that expenditure. And you need to do a Carfax report, uh, and you do need to do some shopping. But uh, if you have to buy a car, buy one. Don't buy a car today, used or new, unless you have to. Yeah, do your homework. Knowledge is power. 877-960-9960. Or you can text us at 772-497-6530. We're going to go back to the phones. And uh, Kevin's been holding from Miami. And uh, Kevin, I hope you're still there. I sure am. Oh, boy, do you have patience. Thank you so much. Welcome. Yeah, no worries. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. So to your point, um, 
no one should buy a car right now unless they need to, and unfortunately, I need to. Um, I had a Honda Civic that I had uh, owned and kept well-maintained for 13 years that recently got totaled. Someone hit it while it was parked out in front of my uh, uh, out in front of my house. So, sadly, I am foisted into this ridiculous car market right now, and uh, I have identified kind of a good replacement vehicle. I'm looking to uh, purchase a new Mazda 3, but getting frustrated, as everyone says, by the um, the high-pressure sales tactics and the high prices mm-hmm. with a lot of dealers. So I had a couple of questions for you guys. Um, the first one being sort of what is a reasonable uh, reach for my search? Like how far should I be looking outside of my area? And, uh, and then the other one was just regarding dealing with those high-pressure sales tactics. You know, do I really need to uh, buy something within the next 24 hours to hold a price someone gives gives to me. I, th- I think the main thing you want to do is um, is be sure be sure you know about the type of car you want and about the price you want to pay as far as how far out of your area you should go. Uh, I think the the more flexible you are on there, the better chance that you'll get uh, the right car at the right price. Um, when you're dealing with a used car, of course, you have the the uh, unknown quantity. Uh, you you need to be sure the car is right. So uh, that will be a little bit of a difficulty if you if you, you don't you don't want to buy a car that's 500 miles away at a dealership somewhere uh, because you're going to have to have that car checked out by an independent mechanic that you can trust. So think in terms of your flexibility. But always have whatever you decide you want to buy checked out by your mechanic, meaning the person that you have paid and his loyalty is to you and you pay him. When he gives you a check uh, and a thumbs up, then you've got yourself a reliable car. A backup to that, and you can use that maybe before the mechanic, is a Carfax report. They're pretty accurate, pretty reliable, and uh, uh, with a good Carfax report and a good endorsement from your mechanic, uh, then you just have to worry about price. And I say the prices will be higher today. Uh, the, if if you're flexible on the car, you you just like with a new car, if you don't have precise, if you said I want to buy another Mazda three and that's all I'm going to buy, your chances of finding a good buyer slim and none. You have to look at a number of different cars. Uh, that you would be flexible to accept as a used car. Consumer Reports is a great source. You can go to uh, online to Consumer Reports or go to your local library and look at the used car recommendations. They have cars that are within price ranges. If you want to spend 15000 20000 less than 10000 they have used cars recommended by price category. But do all your homework like that, then go online and uh, you can use uh, Auto Trader as a source of cars of that year, make, and model. Uh, and then draw a line around where you live and see how far you're willing to go to get the car checked out. Sounds like a good plan. Thanks for your uh, advice. And, oh. and uh, uh, Kevin, I don't know whether you subscribe to Consumer Report, 
But I'm going to tell you what, the amazing information that they have every month really focusing on um, vehicles, uh, no doubt, because of the climate that we're in right now. Uh, but uh, the last couple of issues, last three issues, it's amazing. Used cars, new cars, uh, safety features that you really, really should have if you're going to get a used car. So it's really worth subscribing to. And like Earl said, if you haven't, you can pull it up on the uh, Internet at ConsumerReport.org, I believe it is. Thank you so much for your call. Fantastic. Thanks for your suggestions. And thanks for listening. Look forward to hearing from you again. Our number here is 877-960-9960. And you can also text us at 772-497-6530. Uh, I think we're going to go to Stu. Sure. we got some more texts. Uh, we have one from Steve in West Palm Beach. Steve says, loves the show. I love the show. I have a 2011 Toyota Avalon, which is giving us a tire pressure sensor warning. Um, is it true that a steady light would mean air pressure, an air pressure issue, and a blinking light would be the sensor itself issue? And would that be covered under the tire um, warranty itself as far as the mileage because it only has 16,000 miles on the new tires, and apparently the sensor is shot? Yes and no. Uh, for those in the know, um, the tire pressure sensor is actually replaces the rubber valve stem so the way you tell if your car has sensors versus uh, a different type system is you simply look at the valve stem. If it's rubber and can wiggle, then you do not have sensors in the wheel, except for the newest cars out now, uh, 20, 21, 22, can have rubber stems, but they all have sensors. I didn't know that. Hmm. And, well, the older cars, like is a 2011 uh, Avalon, it'll be a metal valve hmm. stem. Yeah. If the tire light comes on and stays on solid, then you have one or more tires low on air. If the tire light comes on and blinks for about 30 seconds, then goes solid, you have one or more sensors that have either the battery has died or the sensor has stopped working. Rick, is that accurate on all makes of cars? Pretty much, yes. Or the sensor might have gotten broken when they were mounting your last set of tires. And that actually happens quite often if the technician is not trained properly and doesn't know properly how to handle those sensors. Most likely on an 11, you're talking an 11 year old car, almost 12 years old, probably the battery has died on one or more sensors or the sensors have stopped working. And due to the cost of what it costs to program them versus replacing them, you know, once one is that age, you might almost be better to replace all four at once. But I would have it checked out by a, a mechanic to see how many sensors have stopped working. And it will also show in the data list on their scan tool whether the battery life has started to degrade. And that may be a good indicator of replacing more than just the one sensor. Okay. And it's generally not covered under any warranties because that would be a fa the original factory warranty on the car because the sensor doesn't get changed when you replace tires. All right. There That's you go, good. Steve. Wow. We all learned something. Steve, thank you, because mm. now we know about the, uh, I didn't know that either. Mm. I saw your face uh, starting to look astonished. That's amazing. Yep. It is definitely amazing. Thanks for that, Rick. Yep. We're going to go back to the phones, and we're going to talk to Marty in West Palm Beach. Thank you for holding, Marty. Good morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good morning, Marty. Great. Uh, I got a couple points I want to make. First point, you see what the weather is doing in California. 
and they're telling people not to use charge their cars from 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. Right. I don't know. I don't know the percentage of electric cars in California, but I assume it's a lot more than Florida. What would they do if everybody was driving an electric car now and didn't have 220 lines, didn't have garages, didn't have ways to charge their cars? So I think the electric car, eventually, yes, it may be wonderful. But I'd say with gas, gas stations and gas cars, number one, are not going to go out of business yet for a long time. Well, that's, that's you, you, my point. Well, they might not have any choice, Marty. There, you know, this electric vehicle revolution is coming on so strong. Here's an interesting article. Nancy and I were talking about in Automotive News this morning. A Buick has decided that they are not going to be building any more uh, combustion engine cars uh, after after 2000. Well, they're they're not going to introduce any more new cars. So, uh, 2024, they will only be planning to build new electric vehicle cars, total EV. So Buick is doing that. It's probably going to be kind of a General Motors trend, too. And they're buying out. They're offering to buy out all the dealers, the Buick dealers, that uh, don't want to accept that. So uh, you can see the trend. So uh, it's and, and just seeing, Marty, uh, it's 15% uh, market share of EVs in California. Yeah. That's like Toyota's national market share. Yeah. Uh, hey, folks. Okay, well, that's... I understand that, but see, California said in 2035, not that I'm going to California, hopefully I'll still be around in 2035, but they're saying that they're not going to let any gas, you know, it has to be an electric car to purchase a new car in California in 2035. Well, that's still 13 years down the road. Well, you, the manufacturers are sit up and pay attention when California speaks because, as Stu said, 15% of the cars that are built uh, are going to California, are driven. And uh, so if, if I'm General Motors, I'm Honda, I'm Toyota, and the customer that buys 15% of my cars says, I'm not going to buy any cars from you unless they're all electric, I'm going to listen to them real carefully. As far as the like the rolling blackout and the prohibitions on charging or the request to not charge, that's yeah, that is a big problem. I don't think that's an EV problem, and that's a power problem in California and, and a heat problem. Quick note here from Donovan. I got, says, I, got, I got one other question for you. I ordered a fully loaded Camry with a driver assist package back in March. Your uh, sales managers there tell me so far they're not building anything with the driver assist package well to me number one i have a 2020 camera with all the stuff on it i don't really need another car now so i can wait you know i can wait it's not an urgent thing but i don't want to give up any of the things that that my current car has so what do you say? Just you just got to wait it out, then, right? I think he's got to wait it out. Um, we get uh, right now they're not building it with that package, and we see that all the time. Toyota offers a bunch of packages. I imagine other manufacturers do the same, but they just don't build them. So you might see these in the Marty. You know this. I'm just saying this for all the other listeners. Right. You might right. see something online or on the brochure, and you just can't get it in a certain region. So that's what that's what Marty's facing right now. Um, when inventory picks up, we have the ability to do something called a DPMS, and that's kind of like a special order. It's it's not something that's really useful right now. We're at the mercy of the supply chain. When things start to improve, 
we might will have a better chance of trying to do something a little bit pick up a vehicle that doesn't have uh, that has a package that we don't normally get in this region so hang in there marty i, I appreciate your patience All right, well i'm i'm playing in on a 24 okay well you might that, that might be about what you're gonna get so <laughs> thanks marty all right have a good day everybody great you hearing too. from you marty give us a call again Bye-bye. rick well just uh donovan actually came in with this one he says California is also saying not to run your air conditioning or electric hot water right. heater in that four to nine time slot. Yeah. California has always, for many years, had problems with not getting enough electricity. And right now, with the huge droughts there, Drought. one of their biggest suppliers, the Hoover Dam, is not running at full capacity because right. they don't have that huge water pressure to create the right. electricity. Yeah. So it's a they're going to have issues there. Issue. Yeah. But let's, let's bear one thing in mind. 130 years ago, as we were transitioning, most of the population got around by horse and buggy or on horses. There wasn't a lot of gas stations. And, you, you know, we transitioned into these cars. Suddenly, we had automobiles on the road. We built the whole infrastructure. But even now, in 2022, we still have horses. People still rely on them for a lot of different areas. There are still horseshoers. There are mm-hmm. people making saddles. Coopers. There will be gasoline cars on the roads for the next 50 to 60 years or more they're still going to be out there there's still going to be a need for mechanics it's it's not an instant overnight change but it's also going a lot faster than what we did in the switch from horse to cars thank you rick yeah hey uh, rick uh, as far as as far as the electric uh, portable chargers are they really worth uh, the money that you're going to spend on those what, what can, do you mean can, portable? Uh, the, it sounds like as if you can carry it around. It's like a suitcase of some sort. Uh, but Consumer Report did, uh, you know, they did a uh, research on these uh, electric uh, vehicle chargers and the uh, portable chargers. And uh, it was uh, quite an interesting uh, article. And they asked whether they're really worth the money. I think it's probably something that you would use at home in your garage uh, to get you to uh, the next uh, charging station. I have not seen these. I would I would have to do some research on that. Is that right? They're probably hmm. pretty Interest- heavy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> I uh, would imagine uh, they'd be <clears throat> massive. Yeah, consumer Reports really ahead of their time. Uh, it was an interesting article, ladies and gentlemen. Take a look at it. You can pull it up at uh, consumerreport.org. 877-960-9960. Text us at 772-497-6530. We're going to go to David, who's been holding from North Palm Beach. Good morning, David. Good morning. Uh, just a quick question here. What does Toyota offer with their driver assist that is different than the adaptive cruise control and blind spot and the one that holds you in lane? Well, one of the cool things is lane trace assist, and uh, it's it's kind of it's it's neat. Um, it's very much like Tesla's um, autopilot, <laughs> but they don't call it autopilot. And what it does is when you're on the highway and you, it uses the um, uh, the laser cruise and all the, the other systems that basically will steer your car uh, in the lane. It'll keep you right in the center of the lane um, at the speed that you set, and it will also slow down and speed up according to how traffic is going. Um, and it'll even stop the car if, the car, if, if cars come to a stop. So that's probably the cl- closest thing so, to driver assist. Also, I think but that, that also... Is, wait. Yes, go ahead. Excuse me, I'm sorry. What you just described, adaptive cruise does all of that. Uh, it doesn't turn the car. It steers the vehicle. 
So you can you're supposed to keep your hands okay. on the wheel, and if you remove your hands from the wheel, it'll it'll ask you to put your hands back on the wheel. You just kind of rest them there, and it will turn the vehicle. As I've done this on I-95, is a little unsettling the first time I did it, <laughs> but it will turn in the lane, and the lane goes the other way, and it will keep you in that lane. The other part is okay. a little bit less dramatic and a little less uh, <laughs> scary when you first experience it and that's lane keep assist and that is when you start to if you drift towards and a lot of vehicles have this now if you drift and you start drift out of the lane it will nudge you back and so it keeps you in the lane um, and that's separate from there is the the uh, lane departure alert where that will beep if you go over the line and that, then you move yourself back in yeah david in the uh, october consumer reports they list uh, the, the the devices safety devices that are most popular with the public, and they recommend that you consider these when you buy your next car. Uh, the uh, uh, adaptive cruise control is uh, 63% satisfaction. The, the most uh, new device, so to speak, that's most popular is blind spot warning. I love my blind spot warning. And number two is adaptive cruise control. Lane centering, which Stu was just talking about, is is 60%, yeah. and then the last one is automatic emergency braking, and uh, Rick and I were talking about that before the show started, but these are devices that are amazing uh, in keeping you from having a, an accident. They're really, you, you get used to them, you rely on them, and once you own a car with these in those, uh, in, in there, your car, you don't want to buy one without it. It's really cool. I heard that you can only buy some Escalades in different states that have their automatic drive control is that correct i don't know if they're i mean i know that i know municipalities have rules on as far as like what kind of uh automated driving i don't know if by if by state i, I would imagine you're probably right but um i haven't heard anything in, in florida so. well thank you very much you've always been a lot of help i appreciate it oh you got it thank thanks you for the call david Eight seven seven nine six zero ninety nine sixty, and uh <clears throat> you can text us at seven seven two Four nine seven six five three zero. We have a very interesting mystery shopping report that uh, took us to uh, Schumacher Volkswagen. So stay tuned for that. I think we'll go back to uh, how'd you like that, Rick? Interesting, isn't it? Interesting article. It basically sounds like it's a uh, a gas can that you're going to carry along for your electric car, but it looks like the prices on those are very expensive. Over a thousand. It's the several weight, thousand dollars. Yeah, and the weight of each of those items. Would yes. offset, you'd use up so much extra power driving around with that with carried it. in your car that it would offset any chance. I mean, now the company that brings it to you for an emergency recharge, that I could see as a, a reasonable thing. But like the article says, if you just plan ahead on your charging and keep an eye on your power level of your car and don't let your car get low on charge, yeah. you're in uh, a better shape. It's sort of a look at uh, things to come and uh, the options that we now have, all of us on everything. Stu? Yep. Um, I got a text from, from Bob. He says, uh, good morning. With the shortage problem on hybrids versus regular combustion vehicles, I just did the numbers of what the break-even time would be for comparison. Uh, this is based, as an old guy like me, it would be approximately 10 years based on 5,000 miles per year uh, using the miles per gallon for regular and hybrid. Um, for example, a Corolla model um, and a regular Corolla and a regular hybrid. So it doesn't make sense to wait forever for a hybrid, just the thought. Now, normally I would jump in and try and defend because I know a lot of calculations have been done and um, the break-even time is um, in, in most publications is less than 10 years. And of course, that's based on a lot more miles because 
Bob's driving 5,000 miles per year. Um, but one thing he said as using just using current MSRPs for the to, to see the difference. Now that this that when you soon you as soon as you said MSRP, the whole uh, formula gets thrown out the window because no one's selling them for MSRPs right now. So if you're going to buy a hybrid, All, almost no one, almost no one, and uh, and uh, this is not supposed to be a commercial. Um, but yeah, when they're selling for thousands over MSRP and even more for a hybrid, yeah. your, your break even calculation gets even more messed up. But so that's a very, very good point. Thanks, Bob. And we have some anonymous feedback and here's a great, a, a great, uh, comment. It says in May, I put down $500 for a Prius, an order. Um, about a week ago, a manager from the dealer called and said that the model Prius, the same model and the same color that we asked for will be arriving in late October. He noted the price, however, which was $2,000 more than we agreed to in May. I questioned it, and he basically said, take it or leave it. Is this yet another car dealer scam? Um, yes, but it's almost like standard practice these days with, with orders. Um, like Earl has, has put on the store, you need a rock-solid agreement on that order that the price that you agree to now will be the price that you pay when you get in, and that it's your car, no one else can buy it. And um, unfortunately, there aren't any... Uh, real enforced rules that prevent that from happening right now. Now we're going to see uh, we're going to see a lot of uh, calls, you get a lot of calls in about 6 months when the production comes up, uh, picks up with the demand and these cars that have been ordered for months and months uh, start to come in. You'll see a lot of these cases where uh, they lock you in at a high price. You're going to you're going to be the uh, you're going to be the other end of it. You don't you're not going to want to pay the high price. So when you have a, an agreement with someone to buy something, uh, you want to lock it in if it's a good price. And if it's, if it's not a good price, you don't want to lock it in. So you need a legal contract uh, at a good price. And uh, with a legal contract, you have to identify the specific vehicle. And the only way you can it was the VIN number. So we talked about that earlier in the show. But, yeah, uh, you should, you should if, you, if you want to buy a car today, and you shouldn't, but if you do, and you come up with a price and you want to buy it for that price when it comes in, then you need to bind yourself and the dealer with a VIN number and a, his signature and your signature, otherwise you don't have a contract. But remember, your a, a binding contract has to bind both parties, you and the dealer. That's right. Um, here's an interesting comment from the forces aligned against EVs. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Interesting to read that pollution from tire wear created by the increased weight caused by the heavy battery in an electric car is about 400 times greater than the pollution from the tailpipe of a gas diesel vehicle. I'm going to have to just make a note. We'll have to verify that because that's, that's a yeah. pretty bold statement that sounds completely not, not true. Yeah. Um, it is expected to increase due to the increasing size and weight of electric vehicles. I don't think electric vehicles are increasing in size and weight. I mean, I think the object is they would decrease over time. But electric vehicle tires are, are a, a, a lasting, a surprising short amount of time and are very expensive to replace. Okay. Right. I would also say on that account <laughs> that technology is not standing still on tires either. Right. And I would think by the time all electric vehicles are prominent on the road, you're going to have something in the way of a tire that is completely different than today's tire. I've never understood. To me, a tire, you know, taking a tire and filling it up with air and driving it uh, for X number of it's miles archaic. and having to keep replacing it, and, and, and they could blow up and 
and uh, I mean, the whole tires seem like an anachronism. Yeah. And the new whatever these vehicles are going to roll on will be uh, not even imagined. Right. Today. We have there, there's um, materials um, and, and high tech materials that will be taking care the place of rubber that they squeeze out yeah. of a tree. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they boil a tree and they put it on your car. And then it wears out. Okay, um, here's another uh, message from the forces of doubt. Um, when I need gas from my car, options are available to look for a better price. I doubt there will be. I doubt if there will be multiple options to shop for a better price for electricity. From why do you doubt that? It says no gas buddy to shop for electricity. Well, okay, I'm going to go home and I'm going to make an app called Electric Buddy. <laughs> Actually, they do have an app, and it's called SharePoint, and it's a national network called SharePoint. You have it on your phone, and we have some at our dealership, and you just go on a map, and you can find the charging, and it gives you the rates at which you're charged if you use it. Most of them are free right now. Most people are allowing people to charge for free. That will probably change when they get more prevalent, when it well, gets the, expensive. Well, the cost per kilowatt hour is constant within a region. So, Correct. you know, California. But, 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 but yeah. the people that use the charge port station, yeah. they can decide how if they're going to charge the going rate or more yeah. or less. Yeah, they're, or free. They're deciding the markup yeah. over what they pay for kilowatt exactly. hour. Exactly. And uh, that's a regional thing, but you're right. Yeah. Uh, the independent chargers are... And I apologize for, for having a mocking tone with it. It's just, there, but there is, you said, how are you going to compare? Um, here's the answer. Um, you go on an app and it tells you exactly just like Gas Buddy, and it's probably better than Gas Buddy, so, in my opinion. All right, that's it. We're caught up. Sorry about that. I like EVs. <laughs> Great information, Stu. 877-960-9960. And you can text us at 772-497-6530. <clears throat> uh, Rick, uh, do you have anything for us down there? I got uh, I, I want to do something personal. Yep. Uh, get this on camera. <laughs> can, Jonathan, can you get this on camera? Now, I drive a Tesla, and Tesla has a fully autonomous uh, software that can be engaged when you have we a perfect score. So Nancy <laughs> and I, she drives about half the time. We have struggled and struggled to get our driving record up to 100%. So if Elon Musk is listening or watching, Elon, please flip on our autonomous software, and we will be able to drive our Tesla and uh, just say, take us home. Take us to the studio. Take us to the dealership. Take us to Taco Bell. We're looking forward to that. So look in your records. When 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 do they turn it on for you? I don't know. I, I just happened this morning. I saw I you so, texted me. I was so I dropped off the ninety four. He, he, he texted me at like five o'clock this morning. Yeah. He's all excited. Yeah, he would put that ninety four. <laughs> we on were my talking car about it at three o'clock this morning. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, exciting life. Very very excited. <laughs> and uh, if anyone knows Elon, will you call him? Elon is him. Elon's busy. He's a very busy man. He's I'm begging you, Elon. He's got SpaceX going on. Autonomous. He's opening uh, lithium <laughs> uh, refineries. And uh, I have a whole lot to say about that score, uh, but uh, I uh, certainly can't say it on the air. Um, so talking about things that are personal, let's talk about the Queen again. You know, there's so many things that we don't know about the Queen. I think that a lot of people just think, ah, oh, she's the Queen, and she's waited on 24-7. My goodness gracious, what a woman, what a mother, what a wife, what a person, uh, extraordinary talent that she had I don't did think, you know i don't think she even drove a car 
she drove a car. She was a wild child. She didn't have a fisher car. She drove a Range Rover. She was wild. She took joy rides. When she was in the She Army. was out of control. <laughs> uh, she also drove ambulances. And it is just, it just goes on and on. And like I said, she was a wife, a mother, and she was, uh, it, 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 she was in World War II. I mean, she was in, uh, she, was, she was really something. Ambulance driver. This, doesn't that sound exciting? Oh, the guys here are so excited. I have to restrain them. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to move on. Hey, what can I say? 877-960-9960. Or you can text us at 772-497-6530. Earl, you broke Johnny's heart. Johnny. Aww. Johnny Z. Fraidley. Just about the time that you were starting to mention your score, he came on and he said, has the plaid been to the racetrack yet? <laughs> they closed the racetrack. Uh, yeah, they did shut down Moroso, the old long. Palm Beach International You had plans. Yeah, but you were going to go. <laughs> when I had to tell him that you had finally hit your 100 score and there was no way you were going to jeopardize that. Well, for you, for, he, for, for you Tesla, says, for you Tesla fans out there, true. this is interesting. We talked about this before the show. I can run a red light. I can go 160 miles an hour. Uh, there's a lot of things you can do that do not charge against your safety score, but they have it broken down by those factors that have caused the most accidents. That's the software that you have to, one of them, the big one, is following too closely. That's one of the hardest things, uh, breaking suddenly, uh, turning too, uh, swerving too fast, and they have some other things like that. But it's, uh, it's not easy. Nancy it's and I a both. tedious, tedious drive. Yeah. Earl and I would be much safer on the racetrack and our score mm. would remain at a hundred and autonomous that would be a reality right now not a reality well imagine the folks out in places like nevada utah montana oh, sure. where sure. they've got those long open highways sure that's where you no traffic and they can just open up and let it go yeah. that's where when you purchase a plowed in a week's time you achieve a hundred yeah. and you keep a hundred it's a very tedious drive right here Do we have any on other the road. Any other text mm -hmm. or uh, let's go? Yeah, Marty uh, chimed in. He uh, was listening to us talk about the uh, the safety features, and he wanted to point out that he says rear cross-traffic braking is also a great safety feature. It's in addition to oh. rear cross-traffic alert, and that's it's it really is awesome. You're, bar you're backing out of space. Um, not only does it beep um, when they, the cars are coming, and it's amazing how far it can tell yeah. uh, it sees somebody coming way down in the parking lot. But if there's a pedestrian or another car that pulls up behind you and you don't catch it in time, it will stop your car and you won't have that accident. And these parking lot accidents, like the most common kind of accident, and uh, this bit of technology is basically eliminating that. Yep. That's really cool. And it's more of a nuisance than a safety thing, um, but it probably sa it probably saves billions in repairs to consumers, just a little little, little chip in your car. Well, think, think about the, the average fender bender in a parking lot. You bang into them, you've dented up your bumper, your fender, you take your car to the repair shop, they get the insurance company involved. By the time it all gets said and done and they finally get your car repaired and back to you, your car has been out of operation for weeks on yeah. end You've been in a rental car, and so another car is having to be used. You're paying, the insurance company's paying, and it's it's a huge expense. Yeah. Weeks of aggravation you, 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 and frustration and hassle. Yeah. 
then your car is never quite right. Right. So you know what the irony of the whole thing is? Look at how wonderful is, that is. You, you know the irony, the, the reason it's so expensive and everything um, is because of that sensor in the bumper. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. So we're making bumpers really expensive um, so they protect themselves. <laughs> it's kind of funny if you think about it. Yeah. But when it prevents that accident, think of all the frustration all the you stuff. just took out of your life. Yeah, exactly. It makes it life, life that much nicer. Yeah. All right, we got another text. Good morning. My name is Juan Carlos. My son is 22 and has a 2016 Honda Civic that works great and is looking to lease a new car uh, for the next uh, for the big LCD screen I used to connecting the mobile phone, the infotainment stuff. It's got the blind spot monitor, lane keep assist. Um, what pitfalls should be avoided when leasing and is leasing the best choice? My son has no set manufacturer in mind, but I told him to get either a Hyundai or a Toyota. I know car prices are very high right now and I appreciate any guidance you can give. Yeah, you know, leasing, uh, all thing, you know, leasing is not designed to be a um, better or worse. It depends on the individual and what your needs are. Um, uh, leases used to be um, subsidized more by the manufacturers, encouraged by the dealers, uh, because they're more profitable. And uh, when you lease a car, one of the best things about a lease to the manufacturer and the dealer is they're probably going to lease you another car. They have their talons in you. They know who you are, where you live, because you have to make that payment to them every month. When you buy a car, you're footloose and fancy free. You can go anywhere you want. They don't know where you are, and you, they, you, you can disappear off the radar. So leasing is always a big thing for manufacturers and dealers, and they would advertise leases a lot, and, the, and they would subsidize a lease. So five years ago or four years ago, uh, you could lease a car with an inflated residual, which would lower your monthly payment. Uh, they would have a lot of uh, financial incentives for you to lease instead of buy because they know who you are, and they'll lease you another one. That's not true anymore. So... It's a, it's a wash today at one uh, as to whether you lease or buy. And when I see a wash, I, I use a rule of thumb. All things being equal, I, re I recommend you buy. Uh, uh, but <laughs> I don't recommend you buy today, but if you're going to buy today, uh, uh, the, uh, leasing, uh, buying is probably a better option. Do a lot of shopping, listen to the show, go to Consumer Reports, uh, uh, use Costco auto buying program that will be coming up as the subject. You, uh, you might want, if you're listening now, you ought to listen to this mystery shopping report because it's about using the Costco auto program. So if you're going to buy a car, use the Costco auto program. Be flexible in what you buy. And uh, that's, my, that's my answer. And my two cents is when people think about leasing, and I'm just guessing your son is pretty young, um, and people get attracted to leasing because usually they'll see an advertisement for a low payment. So they might be driving their car going, gosh, I'm paying $600 a month. I just saw an ad for a brand new car, you know, for 259. That sounds great. Um, often that perception is, is not accurate because when you get into the fine print of the ad, it requires a ton of money um, up front to get that payment. So you'll look in there three, four, $5,000 to get the low payment. So maybe talk with your son about, you know, explaining about car dealer advertising and just find out what his, you know, what his expectation is for a lease payment. I know he's going to probably thinks it's a low payment, but um, right now with the inventory situation with dealers, 
incentives have been pulled back and that includes incentives on leasing and so really it's it, it is lower a lease payment today all things being equal will be lower than a than a normal purchase a loan payment but um, it's not going to be as great as a lot of people think they are just based on what they see in dealer advertising. And, and not to beat this to death, but also leasing is for a lot of people that we're, we're car dealers. And a lot of our customers that like to lease, they like to lease because they want to get a new car every three years. And they get a fresh car with fresh components and blah, blah, blah. And uh, the mentality is that you're never going to have a problem with a car if you change every three years. And, you know, 25, 30, 40 years ago, that was extremely true. Today, the cars are so maintenance-free and so reliable and so advanced that you can keep a car for five, six, seven years. And so there's not a problem in buying a car anymore. Leasing uh, used to be uh, a real, you know, for the people that wanted to have the new car all the time. And you don't want to have a new car all the time anymore. You can buy a car and keep it for 10 years if you want to, and uh, that'll be plenty uh, safe and reliable and maintenance-free. What was the age of the uh, texter that needed the car? His son, uh, his son was, was 22. 22. Yeah. Boy, that's uh, quite a decision to make. Yeah. You know, uh, it was a whole lot easier for me when I purchased uh, three different vehicles uh, for three daughters uh, today. What a complicated situation, you know, depending upon their age. So. Yeah. Okay, folks, uh, do you have any more? I have no more. No more. And Rick? Just a quick thought. I, I heard they were looking at a Hyundai. We just had a Hyundai Santa Cruz that came through the shop as a, an inspection on a used car, 22 Hyundai Santa Cruz. I got to tell you, whoever designed that car knocked it out of the park. That oh. is one beautiful, awesome-looking vehicle. It's nice. I'd, I'd be jealous anybody gets that one. That's a nice car. Yeah, you have to be careful by stereotyping brands. And uh, when the Korean cars first came to this country, uh, they, were, they were junk. And uh, now, uh, boy, talking about playing catch-up, the Kia and the Hyundai, uh, depending on the model, you can check consumer yeah. reports, uh, they built some pretty fine quality cars. So uh, don't, don't buy the same make because it's been reliable and you recognize it. Things are changing, folks, and uh, stay on top of it, mainly with Consumer Reports. And you just heard it here from a technician, the uh, Hyundai Veracruz. Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz. Yep. Santa Cruz. Veracruz is in Mexico. That's right. It's just, I'm, I'm a car nut. I love cars. But when you see cars that they all start to look the same, and then you see something that somebody really made something look different and made a really yeah. nice-looking car, yeah. Yeah. it catches the attention. It, it's you know, awesome. You, you talk about things looking different. You know, we're these new electric vehicles that are coming up, the shapes, you know, the, the uh, models, the sizes of them. They look Did great. you take a look at that the DeLorean? Like <laughs> did you take a look at the DeLorean? I mean, uh, Consumer yeah. Report did a phenomenal report on these vehicles. How about that Cybertruck? I mean, you yep. talk about shapes. And sizes. <laughs> I'm not knocking the Santa Cruz. I'm just saying that what's every what's past is prelude or what's old is new again. It looks like a brat. Like remember that old car, that similar. little it's similar. Brat? Yeah, like a little tiny car it, pickup it got truck. Got inspiration thing. there, but yeah. it's a much bigger vehicle. Like a seven, and, old seventies vehicle. And oh, they are nice. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready for uh, mystery shopping report? Yeah. You know why I thought it was Veracruz instead of Santa Cruz? See, all you old guys out there can appreciate this. Uh, Veracruz, Mexico, was my first port of liberty 
when I was in the Coast Guard. Okay. And, and I, I, we had a 36-hour liberty Uh-oh. in Veracruz, Mexico. And, and, I was, and Veracruz will and never I was, be the same. And I was only oh, seven. And either you was got in trouble, all. didn't you? And, and I was only 17 years old. Is that where you got that giant, oh. is that when you got that giant, giant tattoo on your chest? Oh, don't, yep. don't tell anybody oh, about that. Okay. The clipper ship. I should now have we know. I, I had that removed. Now we know. <laughs> okay. Mystery shop of Schumacher Volkswagen. Uh, this is a doozy, folks. I, this is this is a mystery shop uh, to listen carefully to. It'll be online at Earl and Cars. We'll post it there. It is a classic mystery shop. You're going to get a lot of good information out of this. Uh, we're focusing on the Costco Auto Program, one of the best ways to get a great low price on a new car. But as we've discussed over the years, car buyers must be wary of the many pitfalls that are associated with the program. Now, they're only as good as a dealer that is the certified Costco dealer. It isn't the Costco name that you're relying on. It's what pulled you in to consider it, but you have to be sure the dealer is playing the game straight. We feel the program doesn't do enough to prevent dealers from freely using some of their most insidious tactics, charging surprise dealer fees at the last minute and adding dealer-installed equipment. We've also discussed how many, if not most, Costco members sometimes do not follow the rules of the program and expose themselves to the risk of being taken advantage of. This happens when the Costco member doesn't go through the official process of submitting their purchase inquiry on the Costco Auto Program website. Despite these problems, Costco members generally have a better time buying a car than most. They certainly get good prices. That's why I've confidently endorsed the Costco auto program over the years. However, it needs to get better. The Costco brand is so respected and admired that its name deserves a process that is representative of the member experience at a Costco warehouse. It should not be associated with surprise fees or overcharging for worthless, unwanted accessories. Small but significant changes to the program would make a world of difference. Now, here's something you probably don't know about Costco and the auto program. The auto program is actually administered by another company. And that that other company got into the program back in 1976, 1977. They, They assumed the Costco auto buying program administration and enforcement. And they're called the Affinity Development Group, AFADG, Affinity, like A-F-F-I-N-I-T-Y. And they they have a multiple other sources of endeavors, and they are one endeavor is to administer the Costco auto program. And for that reason, Costco themselves are not really on top of it. But the Affinity program, if, you, if push comes to shove and you call attention to a deviation of the program that's not right with the dealer you deal with, they will come to the rescue. But as as Stu wrote the report, and it's an excellent report, the way it was written up, warning you to be very, very diligent. Our agent Lightning that that actually made this shop expressed her frustration uh, at the awkwardness of the program. She was on hold for a long time when she was trying to get through to Costco. And uh, she herself bought a new car not too long ago. And she's a Costco member, by the way. 
she didn't use the Costco auto buying program, and I suspect one reason being of the uh, awkwardness. It is it it takes a lot of a lot of work. For example, today short supply of cars, you have to shop all over the place to find an auto dealer that carries and prices the model that you want to buy. Uh, lost my place. I got off on a rant. Um, okay. Having said all that. Having said all that. <laughs> How does the Costco auto program even work these days? During this crazy upside-down car barn world we find ourselves in, with car dealers out of inventory and prices soaring to unimaginable levels, is Costco still the way to go? Uh, well, guess what? As I said earlier, Agent Lightning is a Costco member. Okay, here's a report on speaking as if I were Agent Lightning. It was frustrating to navigate my Costco search. Many makes of vehicles just weren't showing up on CostcoAuto.com. I called the Costco Auto 800 number for help. She was on hold for a long time. I spoke with Kimberly, who said that limited inventories meant I might have to expand my search area and be willing to travel. And by the way, she wasn't really talking to Costco. She was talking to the Affinity Development Group. Right. I spoke with Brendan, who spoke... Who oh, won- I think he skipped something. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. With Kimberly's help, I found that Schumacher Volkswagen in West Palm Beach, yeah, very close, had pricing for a new Volkswagen Atlas SUV. She submitted my info, and within seconds, my phone was ringing. And interestingly enough, that is a vehicle that... Agent Lightning would consider buying because she, she does have one. one. Right. <laughs> she so, owns one. <laughs> so actually, it, it would have been a perfect car. I spoke with Brendan, who wanted to set up an appointment with me, uh, one of their authorized Costco reps. I agreed to meet at 11.45 a.m. before before we... Uh, oh, ended, sorry. It, it, auto was correct. Before we ended the call. Okay, before we ended the call. Uh, be, uh, before we ended the call, Brendan said that the dealership really wanted to make deals today. Here we go, yeah, yeah, yeah. He asked about my trade and seemed very anxious to get my used atlas. I showed up 45 minutes before my appointment, was greeted immediately by Yaris. I told him which I is a, with, Which is the name of a Toyota vehicle. Yes. <laughs> uh, with Brendan, who told me to ask for an authorized Costco rep when I arrived for my appointment. So, if you're going to do this, if you're going to use the Costco program, online they should list the uh, Costco representative. Now, they may list somebody who's not there anymore, but always double-check. And when you get to the Costco member dealership, ask for the name of the Costco representative. If you don't, folks, if you just get the average salesman, if they got 20 salespeople, there's probably only one rep from Costco. And there's 19 hungry uh, wolves out there that are going to try to sell you a car that's not on the Costco program. Why? Because the Costco program has super low prices compared to what they could sell the car for. And if the average salesperson at that car sells you the car, he's gonna make a lot of money. If he sells you the car on the Osco, on the Costco auto buying program, he's probably gonna make nothing, or at least a very small commission. So be sure you get the recommended Costco auto buying uh, salesperson. Uh, where am I? I lost part track in. Uh, oh, you're assured he could, uh he would take care of me. Yeah, okay. And he uh, said they didn't have specific Costco reps. Okay, uh, okay. They said he didn't have That would have made me nervous. Uh, they didn't have a specific rep, uh, but you plow forward. 
uh, he moved on and asked me if I was looking to purchase today and wanted to know what vehicle I wanted. I told him I was there for a new Atlas. He asked if I had a trade-in. I told him I was currently driving an Atlas, but I wasn't trading it in. The artist like Brendan before him was extremely interested in my potential trade, obviously. Um, you pay probably less for the car, far less for the car than you could sell it for today. And he loved to have the opportunity to do the same thing. When I explained I wanted to give it to my kid, he mentioned I may be able to get some kind of loyalty incentive, and that would be from Volkswagen. Yars led me over to the Atlas and started uh, talking about it while I inspected the stickers. The MSRP was 42385 and there was an addendum with a $2,995 market adjustment, standard operating procedure these days, folks, mm -hmm. addendums. Schumacher's list price was 45380 which they called, and this is, I don't like this, folks, um, total MSRP. That's bad. Illegal. That is a violation of federal law. The MSRP is a legal term. It's a term stated by federal law that says all cars must display that, all new cars must display that on the vehicle. And you can't change the MSRP. So what Schumacher did is they changed the MSRP, they raised it by almost $3,000, and they called it the same thing again, total MSRP, which is untrue. Yeah. So I say we call a spade a spade. Here we are. This, this whole paragraph here is a black mark for me on Schumacher. Yeah. I Schumacher, mean, Schumacher you, Volkswagen is breaking the law, folks. But, but even before, they're breaking the law, but when you said, eh, hey, that's just the way the game's played these days, yeah. but it's extra shocking when you have like a dealership like Schumacher who is, yeah. to me, is kind of like us. <laughs> you know, it's like one of the good guys, and yeah. now, they're, now they're playing the game with yeah. these market. And the salespeople, you know, you, you can't, you know, you can't be everywhere all the time. And, uh, and uh, you know, Chuck Schumacher, I'm sure he's a very honest, uh, moral guy, but he's got uh, 15 dealerships or something like that. He, he can't be at each place all the time, and uh, he's got salespeople out there that are, are violating the rules. And they're saying, it's hard to tell people, stop making a lot of money for me. Exactly, and they're on commission. Okay, we went back and sat, found seats at his desk. I had to wait for 15 minutes while I listened to him and another salesperson try to figure out the Costco order program. <laughs> all right? so you'll see how often that gets used. And it's true because during the hybrid, yeah. uh, during the hybrid, during the COVID crisis, yeah, we're not doing uh, that. Uh, nobody's buying cars in Costco unless you're really diligent. They came back over with a document titled Volkswagen North Palm Beach Preferred Customer Plan, and by the way, this is not a Costco document. No, this is a uh, uh, this is their document. Uh, my personal information was printed out in the upper section. There was space for me to sign agreeing to the statement. Customer will will own now if figures are agreeable, which is emphasis not mine. They ludicrous. Yeah, they, theirs is capital bolded and underlined. Yeah, so uh, you know the, you you don't ever commit to buy a, uh, anything uh, if you don't have a if you don't have a price that you shop and compare it and you you know you want to pay it. So uh, they were saying that that they're only going to give me this price if I agree to buy it now, which is absolutely ludicrous, insulting your intelligence, and I would suspect illegal. Not sure about that. Handwritten in ballpoint pen with the words 400 below MSRP, 350 and 400 below MSRP, 
350 in total, 750. Yaris explained it was 350 below MSRP. Okay. Now that is what the uh, Costco program says. Mm -hmm. That in order to put a price on the recommended program, it has to be $350 below MSRP. And let me tell you something, folks. You're not going to find cars at 350 below MSRP anywhere else. And you might not even find them at a Costco dealer because they're not going to tell you, tell you the truth. We'll find out as we complete this report. So here we are, the gold nugget. We did our work. We went through the frustration, a lot of frustration. We found a dealership that was going to sell this, toy, this Volkswagen Atlas at $350 below MSRP. That is right. hard to believe. Okay. Plus another 400 uh, with a rebate. Yeah, yeah, with a rebate. Uh, the other salesperson had Costco pricing sheets and showed me the discount. Now, always ask to see the Costco member sheet. We have a copy of that. We'll show you what it looks like in a minute. But if you're going to do the Costco program, number one, beware. You're going to find it hard to find a dealer that has your model available for sale. You might have to travel a few miles and you might not be able to find it at all, but Costco member, auto member program is the best way to go. I told him about my trouble online and how a Costco representative had helped me. I told, him I, would, I told them I was told I would not be charged any dealer fees. Yaris was quick to point out the $985 dock fee, the $279 tag agency fee, and the $98 electronic filing fee that were listed on the member-only price sheet disclosure. So they will they will mention that. They have to mention that. And you take that into consideration into the price you're paying. So it's full disclosure. The only danger of these hidden fees is the fact that they're hidden. So if they're on the Costco member price sheet, which you have to ask for, then they're no longer hidden and the danger is gone. Now I'm going to show you, if you're streaming this, this is what it looks like. The Costco auto member price sheet. And every Costco dealer recommended can show you this price sheet and it will be a doozy of the deal by today's standards. And Agent Lightning did get this. And so now we know, we now know that the price that she's being quoted is a legitimate price. And it is the Costco price. And uh, now we're talking success. Yara said he needed to find his manager to okay the big discount he was about to give me. He said they would normally sell this atlas for quite a bit above MSRP. I believe that. Mm -hmm. So he needed a sign-off. <laughs> I like to have a picture of the manager when he saw this. He was back in 15 minutes. I get what? Right. We haven't had a Costco member buyer in here in a year and a half. You sure? I mean, this this had to be hysterical. She better be going into the box right now. <laughs> they probably he probably went up the next level. Maybe called Chuck Schumacher. Do, we, do we have to keep doing this Costco thing? <laughs> right. And then they might not be members of the Costco. Oh, cancel our Costco membership. We can't do this anymore. The top line was the actual MSRP, forty two three eighty five. They took off a thousand, making price of the vehicle forty one three eighty five. Then they added. The $39 hidden fee. They added the $379 hidden fee and the $995 prep fee hidden fee. 
Out the door was 46112 He said, I got an additional 250 off because right. I currently own a Volkswagen. So that's, I, I didn't do the, the math here in the report, but I just want to point out that, so she got a total of $1,000 discount. That was 350 from the, that was Schumacher's discount for being the Costco program. Then there was uh, an additional 400 from Volkswagen. And then there was another 250 because she earned one. So that was the, the, she owns a Volkswagen. That's a loyalty discount. So they took a thousand off. But then they added back on uh, about 1400 about, about $1,400 prices. So it's a great deal. It's still 400 over MSRP. So it was? Yeah. After all that, it take a thousand off and oh, you add 1400 back in. I must read the report. I'm glad you told me. Yeah. Well, all with right. the fees, you know, the, the, with the junk fees, that puts them, uh, puts them about 400 over MSRP. Yeah. So, so uh, this needs to be reported to uh, Costco, right? And uh, we will do this, and uh, we'll actually report this, as I said before, but, to Affinity Development Group, and uh, we'll let Agent Lightning do this. It'll be interesting <laughs> to see yeah. the procedure, what happens, and Agent Lightning will go onto the guise of, uh, you know, she was uh, duped. Yeah, and, but, uh, but 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 it's still I, a good price. It is. It's a good price. I think the only thing, um, like getting into the grading aspect of this. Um, I think they're gonna. I, I'm gonna give them a pretty good grade, um, because they did give to get four hundred dollars over MSRP on anything that they is is almost the best deal in town. It's yeah. not the best deal in town, but it's well, almost the best but, deal in town. But, but as far as Costco is concerned, a deal is a deal. Uh, they have to can they they have to either follow the rules right. or they'll be canceled. Yeah. They were clumsy with the process, but they ultimately produced a member only price sheet and and gave them the right pricing. But but the, but. They have to be three fifty below MSRP, or they oh, can't. Oh, even with the, fees. Yes. with the fees, with the fees. Okay, so I was yeah. yeah it's yeah. been so long since it's a Costco yeah. price. I forgot. Yeah. That's not well, okay. Josh is the one that told me about that, so yeah. I didn't know it either. Uh, Costco, um, if you're listening out there and you're a Costco member, Costco says that they have to sell you a car at three hundred fifty dollars below MSRP, or else it can't be on their Costco member price sheet, which explains why a lot of dealers don't put cars on the Costco member price sheet. So there we are. And uh, uh, we'll vote on this, but uh, the vote is whether or not uh, this was a, you'll have to search your own conscience and say, is violating the Costco rules no. enough to take you off the sheet? In this case here, it was actually a good price uh, by today's standards, but it was a violation of the Costco membership rules. Um, okay, so I got a C for confusion from Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm good. confused. Stu's confused. I am. You're yeah, confused. Jonathan oh, Wellington. I'm not confused. Okay, Jonathan no. Wellington Very clear. says, <clears throat> based on the information given, it's not possible to give Schumacher anything but an F. So that's pretty harsh. I'm coming in higher than you, uh, than you Jonathan. Um, they're going to get a C from me. Um, it is uh, a couple of things. They, uh, I don't think you can lower the grade so much for messing with the rules, but taking money from a customer that you can. Um, so I'm going to give him a C. Um, Mark gives him a C too, and a couple of mad faces. So he didn't like it. He didn't like having to give a C. <laughs> so that's that's my official grade. C. Rick. I've got Mark Anderson from St. Louis. B. Bought a car from Costco program, and it was delivered on a pallet. He says. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Kirk in West by God, Virginia. Disappointing that yeah, Disappointing misrepresenting the MSRP. And on top of that is the hidden junk fees on the Costco price sheet. A good price, but still in violation of the Costco program. Misdirection earns a D. Mm -hmm. Johnny Z. Fraidley, you had me at fake MSRP, F. Tim Gilliland, market adjusted hidden fee, 
Hidden Fee, D. Brian Sedlako, Costco is the way to go, C plus. Wayne Veit with a D minus. Mark Ryan with a D plus. And myself, I'm gonna follow Stu's lead. I'm gonna go with the C and say it, uh, hey, they, you know, they could have done a little better, but still in today's market, that's- That's a good price. That's a good price on that vehicle. Let me, let me uh, read this quote from uh, Josh and then my text. I want to be, I, I checked to be sure I wasn't wrong. Uh, Costco requires us to be $350 off MSRP on any available model that we choose to include in the program. The pricing sheets display all models and will either show the discount or state it's excluded. So uh, here we are, a direct violation of the Costco buy, auto buying member program. Uh, it, uh, so we, we, we know that was the case. Question is, how do you score based on that? And we'll go to uh, uh, I have a question for you. <clears throat> uh, do you have a choice uh, to become, this is rather rhetoric, I already know the answer. Uh, do you uh, have a choice to become a uh, Costco member? Uh, any one of the dealerships? Yes, uh, they, they have a choice. They have okay, a choice if great. Costco will accept them. Yeah. Okay, um, here's how I roll. Uh, we're going with Costco. Uh, wow, what a brand. What a brand. Do you need to, you know, have your defenses up and your boxing gloves on? No. Costco is great. How about Schumacher? Family? Brand? I don't know. This backward thinking, you know, uh, that I, I'm, I'm reading into here. It just isn't necessary. You know, there's not too many things today that are for a lack of another word, sacred. And for this mystery shopping report that I certainly don't agree with at Schumacher Volkswagen, I give an F. There we go. You and, uh, wait, who get, we have, you have one of your comrades, com, Jonathan in, in Wellington. Failers. Fail him. <laughs> All right. What's the final? I, I'm going to hold off until I see the results of the follow-up with Costco okay. and the ramifications, and we'll see how that goes. But I, I'm a, I'll, I'll what, what is our average score if we average it today without me? Without you? Yeah. Uh, Rick and I gave him a C. Uh, Nancy gave an F. I think the, it's it's pretty. It's it's there's a, po there's polarization here. Call, C's it, and call it a D. Okay. Well, we'll give them a D, and then we will reevaluate based on their um, decisions with respect to the Costco auto buying program, remaining a member and honoring the... Okay, let me ask you this question. Do you believe that as a Costco member, a Costco member, that that dealership should follow the rules? Of course, yeah, absolutely. They have an option. Absolutely. They don't have to be a, a Costco member. Exactly. Okay, another great show, great shopping report. And... Uh, Everybody's healthy. Everybody stay that way. What do you have for me, Jonathan? Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us this morning right here on the Oldies Channel. Gosh, we have a great time on Saturday mornings, and we hope you do too. You are an amazing part of the show. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll be right back here next Saturday morning at 8 a.m.